0: Welcome back to another episode of You Are Just a Number podcast, a podcast regarding leadership, teamwork, process improvement, and the passion people display. Today's podcast is with Nicole Barone, who is the National Coordinator of Esteem. She helps others to cultivate their gift by shining the light on what you are good at. Her emphasis is on listening to understand what makes you tick by focusing on the person and not what you want them to do. To learn more, visit our website, which is youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters you are justanumber.com, all one word. I'm Jim Zellum, your host. So let's hear Nicole's story. everyone. Today, my guest is Nicole Peron, And Nicole has so many, uh, I, I guess, credentials here. I'm going to let you tell them a little bit about your credentials. <laughs> and then let's talk to our listeners and tell us, you know, your credentials and how you got to where you are today. Okay, so welcome aboard, sure. Nicole. Thank you for having me, Jim. So my day
1: job is as the National Coordinator of Esteem E-S-T-E-E-M, like the word. And STEAM is a leadership formation program for young adults on college campuses. Basically, what we exist to do is to prepare these young leaders who are going to be uh, top of their field in all these different sectors, you know, uh, architecture, finance, engineering, uh, accounting, everything. And cultivate in them a sense of leadership in the Catholic Church as well. Not that you have to forsake everything and, and, you know, leave it all behind and go work for the Catholic Church, but how do you use the leadership gifts you have in service to the Catholic Church as well, and kind of prepare them for that transition from college to life post-grad. So I spend a lot of my time thinking about the role of young adults in the Catholic Church and in the world. Um, Being a young adult myself, it's definitely something that I'm super passionate about. Uh, So in addition to my work with esteem, I also am the chair of the board for the National Institute for Ministry with Young Adults. It's the the first entity of its kind in the Catholic Church, singularly focused on uh, preparing those who serve young adults. Um, yeah, and so uh, I like I said, spend a lot of time writing about, thinking about young adults, talking about young adults. Um... I I do a fair bit of writing and speaking on this topic and also thinking and writing and speaking about how we cultivate in people a sense of vocation. That is, what are your gifts that you were given and how do you use them? Um, We think about this language a lot in terms of like, you know, what am I supposed to be when I grow up? Or what kind of job am I supposed to have? What impact am I supposed to have on the world? And how do you make those decisions really thoughtfully Um, and how do you do that in a really prepared sense? Because then that leads to greater happiness and greater Human flourishing so those are sort of the things that i spend a lot of time doing i am based out of milford connecticut it's central connecticut just outside new haven i live here with my husband and our golden retriever
0: okay so is esteem a acronym for a word it is it's an acronym because in the
1: catholic church we love an acronym and the whole
0: world loves acronyms oh
1: we love acronyms (laughs) right and it's an ungainly acronym for an even more ungainly amount of, of words engaging students to enliven the ecclesial mission. You oh. can see why someone chose esteem once upon a time. <laughs> it's a lot of words. Yeah. Like I said, basically its, it's purpose is, is the sense of preparedness. What are we putting in the toolkits of young adults so that when they leave college campuses, they feel really prepared and really equipped to be leaders in the field of faith and in their secular field in whatever career path they're going to follow.
0: Well, let me ask you a question here. I mean, you sound very passionate, which is great. Um, But how did you uh, get to get involved in this area? And how did you gather your expertise in there?
1: Sure. So um, I did my undergrad at Loyola University in Maryland and uh, in Baltimore. And I, my parents gave me this really great piece of advice. They said to, to major in something that you're going to do really well at, not something you think is going to make you a lot of money, and the career and the trajectory will follow. You know, they they wanted to assuage me that. Um, I think they probably looked at me and realized math and science aren't my strong suit. So if I was gonna go to school and decide that I was gonna major in biology, become a doctor, that would be a terrible choice for the, on behalf of the entire medical field. So they really had this sense of, um, my parents did a great job in sort of cultivating in me the sense of vocation, even though they may not have had that, that particular language to say, okay, what are your gifts and how can we help you find a way to use those gifts really, really well? Because then you will be really successful instead of trying to pigeonhole you into something you're not, okay. that you won't be happy at, you won't do well, you won't succeed, but you think you're supposed to do these things. So my parents gave me that really great advice and both of them are not doing the thing that they majored in in college, which I think is you know, not uncommon for many people. And so I majored in theology and I minored in Italian. I think my father would have loved it if I went on to become like a translator for the UN and had, you know, maybe a very glamorous international lifestyle. I think he would have gotten a kick out of that. But it turns out that was really good preparation for working for the Catholic Church. And then when I was thinking about what to do after graduation, again, a place many young adults find themselves, right? Sort of the what comes next moment. My parents' advice to me was, "Okay, we, we don't really understand this whole church thing you're trying to do, and that's okay. We we love you and support you, which is the the first great thing any parent can do. But they said we we do want to help you succeed. So what are how can we be good supports to help you flourish in this field that we don't understand? Which is great. So I ended up well, going. So far, to I like the of-
0: story from your parents, but yeah.
1: Oh, my parents are are the best, the absolute best. I I hit the parent lottery for sure. And so uh I went on to do my master of divinity at Yale. So they were, you know, certainly very pleased that that I, I ended up at a you know very great school. And The Master of Divinity is this great program that focuses basically on the the full roundedness of the person, the sense of the whole person and figuring out how do you get expertise in these academic areas and then also in these very practical areas. So while I was writing these very, you know, philosophical, high thinking papers, I was also doing a lot of things hands on on the ground. So I did a time as a hospital chaplain. I worked in a level one trauma hospital, um, you know, very much on the ground living that experience. I taught an all boys Catholic high school here in Connecticut, uh, which is not for the faint of heart. So for our teachers out there, God bless you. Uh, you're You're doing serious work. Um, And then I also had this really wonderful mentor during the three years in grad school because mentorship is just so important. And she was running this organization that focused on bringing the best temporal affairs to the Catholic church. How do we look at finance, human resources, management, communications? Where where are the areas that the church isn't really strong on that stuff? And how do we bring our our expertise to that as non-priests and non lay people? And so she really saw a lot of potential in me. She saw my leadership potential as a young person who kind of wasn't really sure what she was gonna do. And she mentored me and and walked with me and said, "You know, there's so many things you can do. You you don't even know how many amazing jobs are out there for you, Um, which is true. And that to me is the most exciting thing about figuring out where you're supposed to be and what sort of leadership skills you have is when you you meet people, you go, wait, that's a job? you get paid to do that? I can't believe that's a real job. That's like so exciting, right? You know, you just, it kind of blows your mind wide open. And so she was that person for me who really showed me this whole other world of like, here's all the ways you can use your gifts in this mission oriented sector, Uh, you know, Certainly there were a lot of people who advised me, you could go, you know, you go to law school, you could go work for McKinsey. There's all these great things. And those are all great paths, but they weren't the path for me. Right. And so right. a lot of it was this, was having people to help me kind of cultivate my gifts and say like, you are, they they saw in me something great, you know, you are fabulous. And so how do we take that and, and help you be the best version of yourself without trying to force you somewhere you're not. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up here. I ended up after grad school uh, working for our local archdiocese in Connecticut, the, the Archdiocese of Hartford. So I worked with uh, churches all across central Connecticut, Hartford, New Haven and Litchfield counties. So there were at the time about 200 parishes that I supported all of them. And then after a few great years with the archdiocese, I came on board full time working for Esteem. So now I work with colleges and universities across the country to cultivate young leaders on their campuses.
0: Oh, so, okay, so let's talk about that. So how how do you, um, so you work with all these different universities and colleges throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Do you meet people with Zoom? How how do you find these people to even get in there? Do they sign up to into something that you, you get involved in? How does that work?
1: That's a great question. So, I mean, the beauty of this virtual reality that we're all living in right now, for those of you who are listening, Jim and I are on Zoom, you know, where we're able to spend this time together in this virtual space.
0: A That's thousand miles be, away.
1: A thousand miles away. Feel, feeling like old friends here in this Zoom room. Right. Um, that has been such a gift, I think, for things like Esteem. So Esteem is a, is a partnership between Leadership Roundtable and the Catholic Chapel at Yale. And Leadership Roundtable, that organization I mentioned earlier that focuses on these best business practices, has been virtual from its inception. They have always been remote for 16 years. Okay. So long before you know the pandemic and and hybrid models were becoming more normalized. Leadership Roundtable staff was all over the country, and so they were very used to how do we maximize this way of working, um, and how do we make sure people are still engaged and we're still you know helping them do the job really, really well, but from their home offices. And so when I came on board, they already had this culture sort of built in. So it was very easy for me just to plug into that and start reaching out to campus ministers through organizations like the Catholic Campus Ministry Association or other lines of relationship. It certainly helped that uh, I had started getting involved in working with young adults across the country. So I had built this this network and these relationships that certainly paid off when the time came for me to say, hey, you know, I have this awesome program that I think is really great and doing some really important work. Can we have a conversation about it? So that was really helpful. But I usually meet um, by Zoom or over the phone first with folks from different universities across the country. We have conversations. Um, and one piece of advice that I received actually about fundraising, but I think it kind of holds across the board is to really focus on the person and not the thing you're trying to get them to do. Uh, and so when I meet with these campus ministers, I try really hard to to talk to them about like, okay, what's the situation like at this university? Like, what, is the, what does life look like there? What do the students look like? What are the challenges you're experiencing? Instead of saying, hey, I have this great thing I wanna sell you, let's let's shove this thing down your throat. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, esteem might not be the right fit for them. But if I'm spending so much time trying to shove it down their throat, I'll never know.
0: Right, I can, I, right. But maybe
1: I can help them find something that would be helpful for them. And I find that helps that sense of a desire to really help them succeed and be a good collaborator, helps break down those barriers too. And people become more interested in esteem because it's, oh, you're not a saleswoman. You're not trying to pitch me something glamorous right. in a box that if I open it up, something magic's gonna happen. Um, So that has been, you know, a big part of the way that I've built these relationships as well. All
0: right. So let's talk about leadership for a second. Okay. I want to say leadership. Okay. In in the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is just another word for management. Okay. (laughs) Because it is okay. There's leadership traits. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's leaders in leadership. And there's bosses in leadership. So I you know people get a little funny with this word leadership, okay? because I they're not leaders. They're in a a role, a leadership role, okay? Now you have an impact on culture and philosophy the higher up, you go in the leadership chain, okay? Sure. but so when you talk about leadership, okay, and I'm talking about leaders and leadership, can you explain how your leadership thing works?
1: Sure. So one thing that, I, that I've brought, I think, distinctly to my work with Esteem, you know, it was founded to focus um, on non-Catholic universities, right? So the earliest sites for Esteem were Yale, uh, Purdue, Ohio State, Stanford, USC. You, you're getting the sense of the caliber of school we're talking about here. The University of Pennsylvania is one of our sites. It was, it was focused on um, these students who are going to become influencers of influencers right we knew they were going to go into positions of leadership uh you know in life post-grad right and we still very much are focused on that but one thing that i've been trying to bring on as a yes and not a not to supplant that but to supplement it is that leaders take on many shapes in many places there are leaders in small towns and in big cities there are leaders at small small businesses and fortune 500 companies there there are leaders everywhere and so do we, do we only want to focus on those people who are going to be, you know, at the most glamorous places, the highest caliber names, the things that are going to be splashed on the covers of magazines, or do we want to have something that's going to change a culture across the board? Personally, for me, it's the latter. I'd rather have well, an you, impact you, you,
0: on You got, everywhere. you got, you got major support for me on that one. Okay. Because I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the people, I mean. As far as i'm concerned to be a leader you have to have followers and you know yes i'm not mm-hmm. talking about that upper glamorous part okay that's great yeah. okay but yeah. the majority of people aren't there they're from the middle down okay and that's yep. where we need to focus
1: agreed agreed and if we change the culture in those other places or, or at least if we infuse it with something that is very intentional very thoughtful about the gifts that you bring Um, you know, uh, bucking some standard expectations of leadership as or leadership styles as very bullish or brash. But what are the ways there's so many ways to lead as well. There's not one way, you know, there's not one single style, just as many personalities as there are in the world, there are as many ways to lead. And the only way you become a better leader um, is to understand exactly who you are, what your strengths are, where your growing edges are, and then be the kind of leader that works with that. Um, and this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation when my parents said, "Don't try and force yourself into majoring in something that you think is going to be the right thing, and you're just a round peg in a square hole." It's the same thing. If you think this is the only way to be a leader, here's this box. I'm just going to try and shove myself in there, even though my personality doesn't match this in any way, shape, or form. Right. It's going to fail. You're going to you're going to fail entirely. And to your to your point, Jim, too about Management. I, I do think that a l- good leader knows how to manage a lot of things. They know how to manage themselves. They know how to manage expectations. They know how to manage the personalities around them. Before uh, Jim and I got we were talking a little bit about personalities and all these different roles that really are just about personality management, knowing that, you know, you're gonna have all these personalities around you and how do you how do you help them all work for the good? Um, that's what a good leader does. A good leader knows how to manage a lot of things. Sometimes it'll be a formal management role, right? Where you will have flowchart you're responsible for certain people under you but sometimes it's also managing factors and circumstances and things that don't go on paper um so a, I lot think I, I really, back, yeah. a lot of that goes back a lot that
0: goes back to the buzzword of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i mean it's not Absolutely. only it's not it, it, you know if you want someone to do something and it's like you said it's what their gifts are okay mm-hmm. so it's really it's not about um what What do I want to say? um it's not you cramming your style down there. you have to see the world they see it and help them see it the way you know it should be seen or change the way they see it a little bit, okay? Yeah. but you have yeah. to manage the way they perceive things
1: yeah it, it you're right. It's that sense of emotional intelligence in terms of working with the person you have in front of you, um, and leadership styles have to evolve to adapt to that right? Like you you might be used to leading in a certain way and managing certain people and and certain circumstances here at this previous position you have. Then you're in this new position or this new circumstance and it's a whole different ballgame, whole different uh, cast of characters around you. And you have to be malleable and you have to be flexible. But if you know yourself and you know what your strengths are, it's easier to move from situation A to situation B because you're not changing who you are. You know what the unchanging variable. You know those factors aren't changing. It's okay. Here's my strengths. How do I take it and do it differently in this set? Um, and that sense of personal awareness, I think, is so important for leaders because you can read a million leadership books. They're great, right? There's a lot of great stuff out there. You can read all these different things about atomic habits and good to great and all you know all these these awesome things but if you don't know yourself very well you're just going to keep trying to be one of those people you know you're just going to keep trying to be like that person you read about instead of just being yourself be be the leader jim the leader nicole the leader instead of trying to be someone else
0: right so that's why and i and i really like your words cultivating your gifts okay so you're you're finding you're helping them understand you know what their strengths are and how that cultivates into becoming a good leader and you can read these books and like you said if you don't know yourself it's not too good and one of the best things that ever happened in my career was i had to take a the disc test the personality test oh yeah yeah. okay and once i figured out well wow that's the way i do it okay I think two things that I actually, and like I told you, I I wrote the book, stepping stones of leadership. And the two things that I really go on is managing personalities. Okay. And the other part is in there is your past definitely influences your decisions. Okay. So, okay. And, and I think that's like, you're what you're saying. You got to know yourself. If you don't know yourself, the chances are you're not going to be the best at what you do.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, my husband always cites his grandfather, my father-in-law's father. So all roads lead back, you know, to these wonderful men in my life. But um, my husband's paternal grandfather used to say that most people can be boiled down to a few critical motivating factors, like one or two motivations. But like, what's the thing? If you boil them down, you strip them down. And I think about that all the time. (laughs) especially when it's a personality that clashes with mine. I think about that, I must think about that every day. I I, I say a quiet, silent prayer, thank Grandpa Pat for that piece of wisdom, because it's true. And when you're leading people, the sooner you figure it out, the sooner you can be more effective at sort of even unconsciously helping them navigate that. You know, if you know, when you boil it down, right, strip the other stuff away, you know, whatever, you know their motivation is for, approval, control, um, sense of belonging, whatever it is, you know, once you figure that out and you can probably figure it out about yourself, then you go, oh, okay, well, once I know that, it sure makes it a lot easier because I know if I do these few things, it'll be easier to get them on board. It'll be easier to get them to feel more engaged. Like this stuff is not that hard because we're all human and we all have that experience too. So like, if I sit there and think about what are are some of my motivating factors? I know if people hit those buttons, They'll get me moving. They'll get me on their train. They'll get me supporting them. They'll get me excited about whatever project they want me to get excited about. And um, so, yeah, I think I think thinking about what makes people tick is also makes a great leader. It's that. Oh, emotional.
0: without a doubt, without a doubt. Because a lot of people, and I'm not saying a lot, but I do know, I'm going to say people in a supervisory managerial role. I don't, already leadership role. I don't call them leaders that much because because what they do is they try to, it's what makes them tick, they try to get you to tick on what they tick on instead of like understanding your tick, okay? And I Mm -hmm. I think as simple as it is, it's hard for people to say, everybody doesn't see the world the same way I do. So if I wanna motivate them, I have to understand them and understand how they see the world.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And for for us, where where we sit in Catholic land, you know, part of something that is happening in the Catholic Church right now that I think fits very perfectly in with this is this process of synodality that's happening right now, this global process of listening and and walking together. And the critical component of that is listening to other people and figuring out what their motivations are. Again, I don't even think the Catholic Church would use this language. So you and I are kind of, you know, we're we're putting this conversational skin over it. But that is the greatest challenge of broad organizations, right, especially the bigger an organization is you're going to start having a lot of um, personality types, you're going to, there's going to be natural division that happens in, um, amongst humans, the more people you put in a place, the more um, affinity groups form, right, and as a leader, someone who's in a leadership position, how do you navigate that Honoring that people are going to see the world differently and are going to approach things differently, but have to move together in a direction toward a common goal Mm -hmm. um, is probably one of the most insurmountable tasks for people in leadership positions because you're like, for crying out loud, here's the goal, like we just got to get there, we got to get this across the finish line and this group's worried about this thing, this group's worried about this thing and whether you're in the Catholic Church, whether you're in KPMG, whether you're in Coca-Cola, you know, you're gonna find this across the board. Right. And like really good people who have good leadership qualities have the capacity to, to to work with each group where they are, work with people where they are and kind of and be attentive, like what's making them tick? What are their motivations? How do I and how do I move that? How do I use that to mobilize them? It's really hard.
0: Oh no, really for sure. Where, where do you get all this passion from, Nicole? I mean, you're, I, I mean, people, you, you don't see it. We're in a Zoom meeting, but I see it. I could just see the passion flowing from you.
1: <laughs> I'm Italian from New Jersey. It doesn't take that much, right? It's just like you, all you have to do is flip the switch. We're off and uh, running. And, you know, here's the funny thing talk about knowing what makes people tick. I, I am a hard extrovert. Like when you do the Myers Briggs test, I'm yeah. like the most E, right? You, you go do those tests. I am like at 100% E growing up, I was painfully shy, painfully shy. I don't think I said two words in public until I was in like the third grade. Really? So, so there's always something in there, people. Once you know those, those motivations, you peel it out and let the passion fly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but for I, sure.
1: This, this gets me excited because I do think everybody has gifts to give and to use. You know, obviously I, from where I sit and, you know, in my body, I think my gifts are great, but, you know, it's important to know when other people's gifts are are worth being at the table and everyone has something to bring to make an organization better, make the world better. And so it gets me excited to think about this stuff because these are all just ways to make the world better, to make our organizations better. If we care about the things we say we care about, then we want to do that, right? Right. We want to, we want to move the ball forward.
0: So let's go back, you know, you said with your parents, you know, your parents, like, you know, you know, what do you want to do and everything like this? So let's, let's, let's take this to the step. Now, so you have these people you talk to, how do you cultivate the gifts out of these people to, how do you get them to tell you, you can't tell them, they have to come up with it themselves. Okay. So how do you, how do you cultivate that out of them, what their, what their strengths and weaknesses are? Can you give me a little insight for that? Sure.
1: I do think there are some ways that you can identify it, right? People love, there's a human quality we have where we love that somebody sees something in us. We love that as humans. So if someone says, wow, I noticed you're really good at this thing, um, basically what it comes down to is humans like to be flattered, right? Right. right. Most definitely. You know, humans like to be flattered, but- Maybe if we take that with, with a more gentle touch, it's people don't, can't always see things in themselves that others clearly see in them. So I think for those who are in leadership positions, be able to identify in other people and say to them and articulate it to them, wow, I noticed that you are just so great at getting clients to open up. Like you just have that capacity or wow, you are so good at diffusing a situation. You just bring the temperature down in the room. Um, or, or whatever skill it is, right? Like people need to hear that from one another. And like the best thing you can do is, is shine a light on those gifts in people because they may not be able to see it in themselves. When that light is shown, it's then easier for you to, to be introspective and say, wow, you know what? I, I am really good at doing this, that, or the other. Wow, you know, I am a good public speaker. You know, I should be attentive to that. Only when the light is shown on it, because we're also a little wow. conditioned as we're a little conditioned as humans too to sort of downplay our gifts, right? Like, so as not to be um, braggadocious, to be a right. little more humble, not to say like, hey, I'm really good at blah blah, because then people go, wow, she's so arrogant, she thinks she's so great at such a thing, and instead, maybe it's you know, it's not a bad thing to be confident in the gifts that you have and want to use those to advance a goal or to help an organization succeed that's not inherently bad so i think in terms of helping people cultivate the gifts the first thing you can do is like shout it out like let people know when you see something that someone is really good at we we live in a world where we don't say enough kind things about one another anyway so it never hurts it only helps and then once that's identified people can run with the ball on their own gifts too. You know, if if they've heard once or twice, I'm really good at public speaking. Let's just use that one. I'm really good at public speaking. They're then more likely to volunteer to spearhead the presentation. They're more likely to volunteer to share at the conference when the feedback moment arrives, things like that. because they've now heard it enough the brain has been wired i'm sure i'm sure there's someone who wrote a leadership book out there about the brain rewiring for these gifts or something but if you haven't whoever's listening go ahead take that book just just send me an advanced copy (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: all i ask yeah yeah so um in closing what 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 advice can you give to i guess a couple of different ways okay people to find out about uh their their own gifts okay and how about let's stay at that lower end of uh that leadership structure okay what advice can you give some people just stepping out that you know one of the big things is and again uh, uh, some people you know what hey i just got promoted to supervisor because you did a great job but just because you did a great job and i'm just using shuffling papers or running on the computer doesn't make you a great leader of People because your asset now just your major asset went from the computer to people. Right. So what 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 what
1: advice can you give people like that? Well, I think the first order of business is as soon as you're put in a leadership position of any kind. I think taking the time, and now it's also so easy to do this with the internet and how ubiquitous and accessible things are, is to do some of those personality tests. I know some people scoff at them, right? Myers Briggs, Strengths Finder, um that we were referencing them earlier. Uh, some organizations offer this sort of naturally and it's part of the culture of, of an organization, but you could do it for free on the internet too. You could do most of this for free. Highly recommend any of them. Yeah. I've done most of them, you know, and you start getting the gist after a while, you look at your Myers-Briggs, your Enneagram, your StrengthsFinder and you're like, yeah, okay, I, I, uh, we got I it.
0: I, 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 I got to change it. So you take another test. Oh darn, I'm right back to where I started. <laughs>
1: They keep finding me. Shoot, don't you hate when that happens? I'm unpredictable. But I do think they're, you know, so some people scoff at the personality test, but I do think they're helpful because they give a language to some of these things. You may know some of these things about yourself, but they give a language to it. So easy, really easy example of that is knowing whether you're introverted or extroverted, right? Do you you become recharged around people or do you need time alone? You can be an outgoing introvert. This is just an easy example because then when you're responsible for managing people, that's something really important to know about yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Really, really important to know about yourself and to know about the people around you. Are they like totally drained sitting in a a brainstorming meeting together? Or is this the thing giving them life and energy? Like they're just, they're getting more filled up. The battery's getting more charged. You could probably tell which one of those I am right out of the gate. My poor husband. pray for him. God bless him. Cause I'm all, it's all energy around people. But knowing those things about yourself are really important when you're now going to be perhaps in a supervisory position or, or you're leveling up a little bit. Knowing yourself is so important because then you know, okay, I have this tendency, this proclivity, these strengths, but that also kind of shows you where you maybe have a growing edge. And that's a really, really important thing too. Part of cultivating your gifts is also knowing where your gifts aren't because then you can be a really effective collaborator and a really effective manager of people because you know where your gifts are not. And you can plug people in who have those gifts instead of trying to be all things to all people or trying to, like I said earlier, round peg and square hole is destined to fail is destined right. to fail, cannot last right. forever. So my immediate gut advice is, is get to know yourself really well in those ways because those tests also then, um, there's a lot out there that is very helpful in terms of how to make it applicable to your situation. So like once you know, you're really extroverted making sure you have points in your day where you're around people and engaging in those conversations and brainstorming in that way. It'll make you more effective at using that to manifest the work that you need to get done, things like that. So I think that's a really, really important place to start.
0: And, you know, interesting that you bring it up, because the more you understand about yourself with those personality tests, okay, it actually, I guess, uh, also helps you understand people, because you'll see some of their traits, and you'll understand their personalities.
1: You got it, you start recognizing, you go, Oh, that makes a lot of sense now.
0: Exactly, exactly. You
1: probably take that and do something with it. You don't need to shout it out, right? You don't need to go, hey, I noticed you're an introvert. probably want the ground to open up and swallow them whole.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, Nicole, I really want to thank you very much for spending time with us. And I love the topic. So thank you very much for joining us.
1: Oh, this is my pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me
0: well i hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as i had doing it isn't it interesting the emphasis nicole places on knowing yourself not only will that help you understand yourself better but it will help you understand others as you know I am always looking for unique and interesting stories to share with our listeners. So if you have an interesting idea or story you would like to talk about, just contact me at youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters youarejustanumber.com. All one word. Until next time, have a great day.